Welcome to Marysville 3CU Church. We're glad to have you on this uh, not quite fall day, but it is a little bit cooler than it has been. And we're thankful for that today. I do want to open with a word of prayer. Father God, we pray that you'd be each one hearing this message this morning, and they might be listening to it in the evening, I don't know, or in the middle of the night. But Lord, we pray that you'd be with us here in the, in the congregation this morning, that we would hear from you, and for those that will listening maybe in, in another location as well, the Lord, that we might have our hearts open to you and listen, and that you might give me the words to say. And Father, that we might be reminded of, of uh, some truths from your word, and we might be reminded on how to conduct ourselves in our uh, challenging world and society, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I struggled uh, this I didn't struggle. I had a couple ideas for the message title, and the message title for today is Twisted Words. Twisted Words. If you're curious, the alternate title was Lipstick on a Pig. Um, let me tell you why it was Lipstick on a Pig, because you can put lipstick on the pig, but it's still a pig. And uh, when we talk about Twisted Words, this is the title that I chose. I thought that might go over a little better, but Twisted Words is that concept is that some people take a word that means one thing and present it to mean something different. They present it as one thing. They, it, they present a word that meant one thing, and they present it as something different. Now, what are we talking about? Well, let's look, and uh, we're going to look at three scriptures, well, three books of the Bible, and we're going to pick a couple scriptures out of them. We're going to start in the book of Isaiah, chapter 5, verses 20 through 21. Isaiah, chapter 5, verses 20 through 21. We also will spend a little bit of time in Romans, chapter 1. And then in Titus, chapter 3. You don't have to turn to all of those now, but um, we will be in Isaiah, Romans, and Titus. Now, Isaiah is a prophet, a major prophet, in the Old Testament. You might have heard the term major prophet and minor prophet. It's not that the major prophets are more major and the minors are minor. It just means major prophets had large writings, books, and the minor prophets will tend to be the smaller books uh, of the Bible in the Old Testament. But here we find Isaiah in chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. He says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Call evil good and good evil. So remember that, evil good and good evil. Now let's turn over to um, Romans chapter 1. Verses 18 through 25. So what we want to do is lay the, the, found, the scriptural foundation, or the verses at least. Um, Romans chapter 1, 18 through 25. So Romans, this is Paul writing an epistle. An epistle is a letter to the Romans. So in verses uh, 18 through 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness 
because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his visible, invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because, they, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their heart, excuse me, futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible to an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. God also gave them up to uncleanliness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who changed the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. So did you remember, did you see any... Parallels verses one from verse 122 of Romans, professing to the wise they became fools. And then back in Isaiah 5, 20 and 21, verse 21, well, to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. It's that same general concept. Now let's continue. We'll touch on these when we come back, but I think you've kind of got that premise, evil for good and good for evil. You see where there's this substitution that's taken place, and they think they're wise, and they become fools. And then we go to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. So if you're turning your Bibles, it's First and Second Timothy, then Titus in front of Philemon, or some people pronounce it Philemon. Titus chapter 3, verses... Uh, 9 through 11, then I'm going to skip back and read verse 8. Titus chapter 3, verse 9. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Reject a devices, man, after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. Verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to Constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Now, let me read them in order. This is a faithful These things are good and profitable to men. But avoid disputes, genealogies, contentions, and striving about the law. All for they are unprofitable and useless. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. Now, we saw this in, in Isaiah, this evil for good and good for evil. And we've seen that much today in some of our words and choices that are in place. If you remember back, not that far back, in the fight for same-sex marriage to be legalized, it was not sufficient for them to have a union that had the same legal ramifications of marriage. They wanted to equip the word itself and hijack the word of a man marrying a woman and a woman marrying a man to 
be equal when they can't be equal. It's not the same thing. But they wanted to equate that. So it wasn't sufficient to just have a civil union with the same rights and privileges. They wanted to equate the two. Changing the words. And now they've even, try, they've even changed a man and a woman to be not a man and a woman. It can be a man. You can be born male and be self-determined as male or female or not either one of them. Now they say, well, I'm not either. Okay? So now they're changing those words around. And flipping it around and you start looking at this and you like, how do you figure that out? Imagine going into a foreign country and you've tried to learn the vocabulary and then they ch switch the words out from underneath of you. How are you supposed to know what means what? And of course, in some of the foreign cultures, their verbs and nouns and different parts of their speech have a masculine and feminine part to it. Latino and Latina. Well, now some try to put a Latinx on there. But my understanding is the Latinos don't like that. But we change these words around. So how do we deal with this? It's that twisting of the words. I mean, I've even now seen a, a situation. There's probably others where a man becomes transgendered to a woman, and a woman becomes transgendered to a man, and then that man and woman get married. And the woman that became a man gives birth. And then the man that became the woman tries to nurse the baby. And they broadcasted that out on social media. They're twisting these words. That they mean what, what meant this and was good, they've changed it to mean that, and that's how they try to carry the weight of the value of the definition, what was below it, and carry the same weight of morality and value and move it over here and say, oh, watch this shiny thing over here while I do this over there. We even have the situation that at one point it was the goal to not be racist, as Martin Luther, Dr. Martin Luther King said, was not to be judged by the color of the skin, but by the context of their character. Now we find out that if you ignore the color, that that actually might be racist. And now the color of your skin determines whether you are an oppressor or you are a victim and the same can be, to, to, be to, true told of your gender. And in recent news, you will also hear them talk about, because it's coming up again, in the fight against killing the unborn, that they talk about this concept of having reproductive rights. Now, if you want to have a biblical discourse on what the Bible has to say about abortion, you can go to the website, marysville3cu.org, and look up the message from July 16, 2018, what the Bible says about abortion.
that's July 16, 2018, or just search on Marysville 3 CU space abortion. There'll be two sermons in there. Look at the one from July 16, 2018. Because I'm not going to go into that discourse right now. But I want to talk to you about this twisting of the words. Because if I talk to you about voting rights, what is that? That is the right to vote. That's voting rights. If I say reproductive rights, would you surprise to know that's not the right to reproduce? That's the right not to reproduce. Well, I have the right to reproduce, but the reproductive rights is more about the right to kill. I'm born. Not to reproduce. They want to say reproductive rights. They really should say, be honest and say it's rights to not reproduce. But that's not the goal, because that would undermine it. So there's switching and twisting of the words. And they play these games with words. The politicians do. Society did. At one point it was, it's my, my body, my privacy, it's between me and my doctor. And now we're finding that, unless it's a pandemic, and then the rules are different. Things are all shifted about. And they're twisted up. And how do you deal with that? And, and then you hear about, well, it's the baby. It's the, the baby. It's, it's the mother. It's part of the mother. And I read online, and, and somebody was talking about, you know, you could get in trouble for smashing an eagle's egg. And what's the difference between the eagle's egg? And it's like, well, it's not in the mother. You know, it talks about her body, but it's actually, you might be surprised to know, maybe you already knew, knew this, that that baby does not have the mother's DNA. It has part of the mother's DNA and part of the father's DNA. And that baby has its own blood, has its heartbeat, has its own blood. The mother's blood's not going through the baby. The mother's blood is carrying nutrients through the placenta. The placenta picks it up and sends it to the baby, the oxygen and things like that. And the waste from the baby, you know, they don't have diapers in there, goes back through, and the mother's blood, it passes through the placenta, and the mother's blood picks it up. But the blood's not exchanging hands. The mother is feeding the baby and providing nutrients to the baby, and the waste from the baby is going to the mother. It's kind of like she's nursing the baby and changing its diapers while she's pregnant. If you, you see what I'm saying? It's She's nurturing the baby along. But they want to say it's her body. There's a baby in there. But it's twisting the words. But you've got to look below the words and have that understanding. But what's our challenge? What is our challenge? Is that we become distracted. We become distracted. At the same time, we have to defend people because... We think about, now they want to call mothers birthing people. Can I tell you, there's some great mothers out there that never gave birth. They adopted a children. But they're the mother to that child. But they want to change it to birthing people, trying to ignore those wonderful mothers. And it might be they change it to birthing people because maybe that's all they think that a mother is is the person that gave birth. And then you give birth to the child, then you go back to that your career is number one, and you're number one. 
So maybe they didn't get the definition of motherhood in the first place. Because the definition of motherhood is that you might sacrifice your career for your child. You might put that child first versus your child being some trophy. I give birth to it. I'll pay somebody to keep care of it. But they're second, and I've got some meetings and things I've got to take care of. And then somebody might say, well, you know, it's the mother that has to make all the sacrifices about the... You haven't talked to the right fathers that sacrificed their careers for their children. That could have advanced their career and made some choices so they could spend more time with their children or get their children in the right schools or in the right situation. We can get caught up in the debates and we can get caught up in those arguments. But we have to remember that we're not always having the discussion with people from a biblical base. They only get in the Bible to tell you why you're wrong, but they can't understand it because they don't necessarily have through them to gain the understanding that they need to have. And so they distract us. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be engaged in the activity, but may I say that every person that is oh so wise, that might want to come to your Facebook page or come to your Facebook thing and share their great wisdom, might not know what they're talking about. They might have great words. They might have twisted the words. But the challenge is, if they want to talk in sound bites and talk in a single verse without understanding all of the scripture. And the challenge is, it's therefore difficult to describe the complexities of life in more than two sentences on a Facebook page. Because I don't know about you, when the Facebook post goes pages and pages and pages, I'm less likely to keep scrolling down through there to see it. And so we have to find ways to combat and protect the unborn, protect the teenagers, and protect the young people in college without getting played to be so focused on the ar arguments that it becomes a distraction that we stop doing the good works. That our identity doesn't shift from doing the things God's asking us to do to, to reach the unlost to be engaged in arguments with people we're never going to convince. There's a great balance in there. There are times to have those discussions. But if it is changing your character, your Christian character, and your Christian conduct, then that becomes a problem. When, be, when winning the argument at all costs turns you into the people that you are arguing with. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and striving about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. There comes a point when there's such a distraction that we miss. 
that we're focused so much on the argument that we have it in the open discourse of the public that we damage our witness and we stop being who we should be. We have to recognize who do we take the time to have a discussion with or not. There comes a point when the three-year-old says, why? Or the four-year-old, I, I, I'm trying to remember the exact way, ages when you get the why. Some kids do it more than others. The sky is blue, why? Well, because, why? Well, why this? And then you get to the 12-year-olds, and they know everything. They, they just know. Somehow they have arrived. There's still some discourse with them, and then they get to college, and the professors know everything. And then, unfortunately, after a few scars and stuff, they find out that mom and dad actually did knew something, but they had to run into trouble. I think we have to be careful not to go down to the point that we come, become childish and immature in our discourse and we lose our maturity. We don't want to get to the point that we lose the ability that when they actually realize that they've made a mistake in their understanding, that they can't go to you anymore because you have soured that relationship so harsh. But there is a point, it says, reject a divisive person. So if you're running into someone and all they are is about splitting up people and splitting up people and splitting up people, the admonition to Titus was, just move on. Just move on. Don't let them sacrifice your joy. Don't let them sacrifice who you are. Don't let them push you over. You do need to defend what you're doing. You do need to understand it. But be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of when you're going too far. When you stop being you and you start to become them. Because we don't want we don't want the young adults that are in college age to look at us and only see about the people that are about arguing with everybody that's outside that are issues-based and not Jesus-based. But out of a relationship with Jesus, we should defend the unborn. And we should do those things that we need to do. But we have to keep it in context. And we need to be careful not to become the divisive person. So with all that said, the twisting of words, I caution you to be careful not to get drawn in. I caution those of you that are young in Christ or that are young people, be careful. They're twisting words around. Pol and politics are doing this a lot lately. They shift it and they call what well, used to be, it used to mean this, so they're just going to call it that instead. Because people would align to that, and so certainly they would align to this other thing. It'd be like talking about supporting the military. Well, everybody wants to support the military and how they protect us and stuff. It's to start calling things military. And I'm very carefully avoiding not getting into a uh, political discord because people might just under, uh, misunderstand it. 
But you, you get the idea. There's the twisting of the words. Don't get drawn in. Don't get drawn in. Check what the meanings really are. And if they point you to Scripture and it goes against everything that you've heard, challenge it and look a little bit deeper. There's some people that don't, may not know the whole Scripture that are pulling out one Scripture and they're not taking it in context or they're not looking at the real word that's behind it or they found an obscure translation that uses this other word. That's one of the things they do with abortion and they talk about uh, those things as well. So be careful. Then those of you that understand Scripture and things, be careful not to get distracted and, and, and drawn down so that you change who you are. But the, at the same time, defend the faith. Defend the unborn. Defend those that are in need. Preach the truth, but keep it in love and keep it in context. And if you're within the church, don't be a divisive person. Because the admonition to Scripture, that if we have a divisive person in the church, that all they are about is about stirring things up. Scripture says to reject our divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. It's not just men there. It's, it means men and women. Women can do this too. So those are my admonitions, my encouragement, my cautions for you in this message. Our world is fraught with landmines. The devil's trying to deceive people, and he's reaching his way into churches and deceiving them. And people are starting to change who they are either because they don't want to have an argument and so they just concede or because they are too much in the argument so they change their character and become like the people they are arguing with. Lord, help us to be obedient to him and know that balance and how to address it and how to deal with it. Let's be standing together. Lord, I pray to Lord you be with each one that heard this message. You know how they are consuming uh, things today. You know how, Lord, they are um, dealing with the truths of Scripture and how they're dealing with the issues of society. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to stay true to you. Help us not to change who we are and to become like those that we might have disagreements with. Help those that are young not to be deceived and, and told that something because somebody else changed the word that it's called. Help us, the Lord, to keep things in the right position. Help us, the Lord, to not allow divisiveness in the church. Help us, Lord, to be true to your word. Help us, Lord, to uh, be that shining light that we might show the goodness of your word, your love, your holiness to a dying world that needs you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.